Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey everyone, this everyone is Neighborhood Watch. I'm your host, Josh Neighbors. Joining us today, my friend, Jake Hatch, who covers BYU for Locked On Cougs. Locked On Cougs? Cougars. I always, I always, I always, I always Locked On Cougars, you got it. Locked On, locked Cougars. on Cougars. And uh, also, he is a, uh, a producer and, and also does radio as well in the state of Utah, in Salt Lake City area, so we can get the perspective. Salt Lake City or Provo? I'm, I'm all over the map. Salt Lake City, you got it. Yeah, we're we're based in we're Salt good. Lake we're City. Good. Yep. Boom, boom. Um, um, we can talk, we can talk about, about the situation, situation, which we've which heard we've about heard about well, well, and kind, and kind of that to some of this. But Jake, I really want to like start start with Utah because I've been talking about expansion candidates this week, and I had uh, talked with somebody who covers San Diego State, talked with somebody who covers UConn. And I'm really fascinated about the schools. Almost the ones that don't make sense, right? Like Colorado is a slam dunk because guess what? We saw them for years and years play Big 12 competition. So we, we know that they actually could exist here. We know that they can do well in the state of Texas and all those things. Arizona's right next door. They have a desire to be there. It does make sense. They're a great basketball school as well. Utah is one that I guess in theory makes sense, but with how much pushback there has been from seems like administration, a lot of the fan base. Let's explore number one, why that is and why you think they're kind of lower down the pecking order uh, when it comes to kind of these conversations and, and just kind of how those two things are tied together. Well, I think the first thing that for on the Utah side of things is the fact that uh, their AD uh, came out. There was one of the reports thing was Dennis Dodd put out a report. It was, this goes back uh, to around when conference tournament stuff was going on. And Dennis Dodd reported something about the big 12 expansion and, uh, and Mark Harlan, who's their athletic director, tagged it and said give me a break and that's kind of been the whole thing with utah is they are a a program that has had a lot of success lately in the pac-12 and obviously you don't want to give up that thunder that they have really had the last two years two trips to the rose bowl back-to-back pac-12 championships they've played for the pac-12 title four of the last five years so they're they're riding high right now with the pac-12 and i think just the simple fact of maybe potentially losing some of that luster if they were forced to make a move to a different conference is probably part of the reason why they're sitting there thinking eh, maybe we want to stick where we're at right and so a big part of momentum is definitely the the fact that they've seemed to have gotten a really good feel for the conference they're in right and, and I, you know i've mentioned this we've a lot of folks talk about it but they got to those two rose bowls by way of hammering oregon twice a couple years ago and then i mean you know they were the they were the team that embarrassed usc's well Tulane for about five minutes there at the end of that, that sugar bowl, but they embarrassed that USC defense more than anybody else did. They did it twice too. And Oregon is a power. It's been to the CFP that obviously we know they're a massive brand. USC is on their way to the big 10 and under Lincoln Riley looks like an offensive juggernaut. We'll see if they can ever figure out that defense, but they, they smashed two blue bloods on their way to go into those Rose Bowls and they didn't go well, but there is something to be said about a program that was not in a power five conference very, very recently, and now with a coach who is – it's funny to say he's in his prime because we keep talking about how the fact that he, Kyle Whittingham might retire pretty soon. But he is, a, he is really in his, his success prime right now. 
and that does make sense why they, why they wouldn't want to leave, right? They they they're just they own it right now. Well, that's that's exactly it. That's kind of the feeling I get from people I've talked to at Utah. The the sense I get from their fans on social media. I'm good friends with n- numerous Utah fans, and they've all expressed that they'd like to stick with the Pac-12. But I I completely get it. it. It absolutely fits with how their academics are are focused. They're a research based institution. They, they they very much like the fit that they have with the Pac-12, and for good reason. Like I said, athletically, they're riding high right now, especially when it comes to football. Now, other sports may have uh, question marks. Men's basketball well, etc. But they're riding really, really high right now in the Pac-12. It's truthfully their high watermark in the 12 plus years they've been a member of that conference. So when the conversation comes up that the Pac-12 may crumble around them and they should be looking for a life raft along with everybody else in the Pac-12, I, I get why they're a little bit resistant to say, no, we're, we're, we're going to stick with the Pac-12. We're going to go down with the ship, so to say. And I, I completely get that because they have their run of this conference right now. Why in the world would you like to give up that catbird seat right and and that that is that makes sense the other side of success though and the one thing that we know that you need is money and this you know so we got some grant of right news yesterday now it's a it sounds like to me and jake you can go into more of the specifics if you'd like to because i know you all have been hitting this all all the angles but it's a grant of rights that has been agreed upon it is not signed it features some stipulations about merit-based revenue sharing, right? And how that, that will affect those schools. I didn't see anything about length. And obviously that length can be determined by length of TV contract. Um, so you and I were talking beforehand, like if you're Oregon or Washington and talk this, you know, with Barrett about this too. Sure. Like even if you lose a couple schools out of the Pac-12, if, if there's an automatic playoff berth involved and there's merit-based you know, merit-based uh, payouts that might put you above Big Twelve schools. Well, if you're Oregon and Washington, you're saying we're gonna we're gonna win the league. We if we win the league, we are going to get make more money, uh, and and that and we see you know we'll take that risk, right? We're not going to be a six and six school. It's not where we are. So you get that. But for Utah, they've been great. We just mentioned that, but you are relatively new to the power five, the power five genre, if you will. Your basketball is not at an excellent spot. And that is a sport that does make money. It's one of the two revenue sports. So are you going to take, I mean, there is, there is some risk assessment here if that is the case. And I think we were talking about this, like for Colorado and Arizona, it makes sense to go to the big 12. There's a higher guarantee because look, those football programs have not been excellent. So there's no guarantee in revenue sharing that you're going to be in a good spot. So why wouldn't you go take more guaranteed money? If that is in fact the case for Utah, there is some risk assessment involved in this. And, you know, maybe the guarantee is higher, but, you know, like we said, all right, we're going to roll the dice and we're going to keep hoping that we keep winning. I mean, that that kind of seems to be the calculation, I guess, that they're going to have to make if, if the merit-based is the, is the case. Yeah, I completely agree with your assessment there, and that's the big thing about this. And I can also acknowledge that there is a longstanding rivalry between BYU and Utah, and I, I cannot not say that that's part of all of this calculus. We have it on very good authority. There's a great story done uh, last, it's not even that long ago, maybe six months at the most, that a former president of Utah named, uh, by the name of Michael Young, if I got the name correctly, back when BYU was uh, trying to get some machinations to, they were going to move all of their 
non-revenue sports, the Olympic sports, as, as most people call them, to the whack. And this was right around the time when Utah was making the leap to the Pac-12. Well, apparently Michael Young caught word of the plan that BYU was hatching gave uh, the intel to Craig Thompson, then commissioner of the Mountain West Conference, and then uh, the Mountain West Conference went right around BYU, added Fresno State, Nevada, mm-hmm. and I was one other school that jumped in at that time and scuttled the plan that BYU had. Come on. This rivalry exists, and you can't not tell me that in some of these Utah administrators' minds, they don't want to be associated with BYU or be, quote-unquote, on the same level as the Cougars. So there's there's an interesting debate ongoing out here in the state of Utah about all the situation. But yes, there is calculations that need to be taken uh, into into account by what Utah is trying to project. I can tell you this much. Their current president is the former dean of their business school. So this guy knows numbers. He knows risk assessment. He knows uh, revenue versus speculation on how much revenue you can make. You you are absolutely, if you're Utah, you're looking at all those numbers right now, but everything that I am hearing slash what I'm reading between the lines on is that Utah is just, they're of the four corner schools that quote unquote could make the jump to the big 12. They are far and away the most resistant to that plan. So let's hit the BYU thing. You cover the Cougs. I mean, how much of the, well, BYU you know, did this first, like, I mean, I know it's a pride thing. I cannot think it's much the calculus, but is there any element, maybe between the fan bases, but there's, there cannot be an element in the business decision-making being like, well, BYU did that. And we don't want to be like a follower, right? We don't want to, we don't want to follow the Cougars. We're the trendsetter in the state. I mean, I don't know the necessarily the um, politics, if you will, when it comes to, you know, how real the rivalry gets when it comes to those kinds of things. Uh, But what is, what is, is there is there any element of that at all that you think extends just beyond the fan base? Uh, are you talking from the BYU side on this? Is that what you? Oh well, well, I guess, I guess you the Utah side, side be like, we don't want to follow, right? Because okay. right? I mean, if you're BYU, you're gonna be like, look, you made the right choice. You are going right. I guess, I guess we're right. Okay, yeah. So to your point, yes, I, I do think there probably is an element to that because Utah's been a Power Five program for 12 seasons. BYU went off into independence with the hopes of getting to this level. I think Utah, in some ways, uh, even maybe it's in the dark recesses of their mind or on the back burner, but you have to acknowledge that there's probably a part of them that's thinking, are we really going to have to sink to uh, linking up with BYU when we've been this Power 5 level program for over a decade? We've had a great success, obviously, over the last four or five years in particular in football. Do we really yeah, want to follow our arch rivals into their new conference and be on the same level as them, be on, like, be on par with them, I guess, in a way? Yeah, I, I do think that there is absolutely an element to that. All right, so let's talk about some other news we got today. Big 12 Mexico. Just, I, I mean... Brett Yormark, and this this is why I, I, I really think it's a, such a good marriage, because he is not a classic a college person at all, right? Number one, I, I love we all know that it's driven by football, but I his his he's a hoop head, right? He's he's a hoop head. I mean, you can just tell. The guy loves basketball. He sees the value in basketball, and he's gonna do everything he can to push the uh, you know, push this league. Kansas and Houston, Mexico City, sign me up. I mean, that's going to be college, college game day is going to be there, hopefully, right? It's going to be a big deal. Hopefully, those kids are going to week off beforehand because they're going to be huffing and puffing at, at elevation and whatnot. But I think the fact that he is not a classic college guy, and we've talked about this, and I'll keep saying this, the ADs in the Big 12 have acknowledged, we do not like all of his ideas. We think some of them aren't very good and just like, you know, it's throwing stuff at the wall. But that's what makes this thing work. They are we, the Big 12 is not the Big 10. And once again, we love this league, we cover the league. It's it's amazing, it's awesome. 
They are not the Big Ten. They are not the SEC. You need, and with that in mind, you have to have some creativity. And so when the when Big 12 starts playing games in Mexico City, and especially if you are going to put the Houston Cougars basketball program, historically very awesome and currently very awesome, against Kansas, we know how good Kansas basketball is. That is an event. And you're doing it in a country that is attached to the state that you are based out of, Texas, mm-hmm. right? It might be a swing and a miss. Who the hell knows? But they are definitely putting their bus, their best foot forward in their best sport. Um, so your thoughts when you saw the announcement uh, today, you know, we knew it was coming, but mm-hmm. kind of got something more official now. Uh, I think it's I, I think it's worth a try because, yeah, you're right. right. Your mark is trying any and all options to essentially generate revenue for this league. He wants to establish it in his mind as the third best, obviously, behind uh, both the Big Ten and the SEC and for good reason, obviously. But I, I think that it's it's worth a try. Why not swing and see if it, if it works out? The Pac-12 tried the whole thing with going over to China. They sent multiple China, basketball yeah. teams over to China to try and ingratiate themselves over there in China. Did it work out to a large level? Not really, because they had LiAngelo Ball and a couple of his teammates at UCLA get arrested at one point for shoplifting, which in China is far more serious than it is in the United States. Of I totally forgot about that. That, that. that was why they got arrested. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Wow. I'm just saying like that and the first game, I think it was Arizona State and Colorado played mm. and the overall attendance was just not right. the announced attendance was like somewhere in the 4,000 range. So yes, th- this very much could follow the same path that the PAC 12 and the China uh, situation had. But at the same time, this is far closer to your home base. As you mentioned, Texas is obviously shares a long, long border with Mexico Monterey, where they want to play that bowl game potentially is 400 miles away. Mexico city is obviously a short hop away from most of the cities in the big 12 footprint, which is quite expansive now at this point, I know mm-hmm. Salt Lake, for example, has direct flights all over Mexico out of Salt Lake international. So getting there is not the problem. I, I just wonder how much the, I guess the, the people down there in Mexico, the natives of Mexico city, Monterey and the football, side of things how much will they support that I, I am interested to see where that goes I can tell you from the BYU perspective this would be a very very fun thing to have BYU involved with I, I know most people know that BYU is sponsored by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints most of your listeners will know it as the Mormon or the LDS Church the largest um how do I say this Lar- largest population of members of that faith outside the United States of America are in Mexico north of no. a million members live in that country alone you can guarantee that if BYU plays a game in Mexico City in basketball, women's soccer, somewhere, anywhere in Mexico, football, bowl game potentially there in Monterey at that Estadio BBVA, which has 53,000 seats, by the way, you can guarantee that BYU will get members of the LDS faith out to support them in that venture. So I think it's worth giving it a shot. And I just personally, I hope BYU is heavily involved with those plans. Even if I know Houston and Kansas obviously are the headliners and they're going to carry the torch feels like in basketball for this first foray, but BYU should absolutely be knocking on Brett Yormark's door saying, Hey, pick us next. Because this is, this is, this follows a path that I was really been thinking about recently, kind of revisiting TCU in Georgia, right in that gap. Okay. If we know there's a massive gap there and we know that big 12 schools, like it's going to be so hard for them. Money wise is going to be a gap. Talent wise is a gap. What can you do? just generally in college sports to maintain relevance. And I think one thing Brett Yormark has realized is we have to win every narrative fight. And yeah. they have, they have pushed the, I mean, you know, they have pushed the 
hell out of four corner schools talking to us. They're talking to us. They're talking to us. They're, I mean, they've applied as much pressure as possible. The deadline's kind of been the deadline, right? I mean, we're going to see, we're, we should get something here probably in the next month and a half or so. I have a tough time thinking that we're going to go into the final year. Um, you know, especially once schools really start recruiting the 2024 kids, I don't yeah. think uh, Pac-12 teams are going to be like, hey, we don't know where we're playing. We don't know who we're playing. We don't know what channel we're playing on. They're, I think that the choice has to be made here pretty soon, uh, you know, when it comes to all of that. So we'll, we'll hear about that, but you want to win the relevance, relevancy. And the Big Ten's had bad news. The ACC has had bad news. The SEC just had kind of a little weird scuffle about nine games. It's not going to matter. They're going to make a ton of money anyway. The Pac-12 obviously has not had great news at all. And I, this even led, you know, Paul Feinbaum recently said, hey, the, the conference that seems most aligned is the Big 12. And so when you do that, like they have, they have the ability now to set their attention on things like trying to get Pac-12 schools, doing events in New York City, doing events in Mexico. They're not having to worry about a lot of the administrative fights that you know some of these other conferences are. And I think it's going to lead towards stuff like this. And look, does Kansas versus Houston and men and women's basketball mean anything football? No, but like at least, at least we're talking about it. At least it's something, you know, I guarantee you, especially because the Big 12 is aligned with ESPN, that there's going to be a large ESPN presence there. And if those two teams are two of the best in the country, which I think it's pretty safe to assume that they probably will be in 2024 in December, it's going to be a big deal when that game actually happens. And so I think that it, you know, if you cannot win on the field necessarily, try to win every narrative battle you can to, to, to keep yourself. Hey, it may not be one or two, but that big 12, they're number three, they're doing big stuff. Well, that's the thing about this. Brett Yormark knows this. He is a PR guy. He, he he worked for NASCAR. He worked for the Nets. He's worked with the NBA. He knows what it means to remain relevant on a national scene. And the, the way to do that, as you mentioned, is to win the narrative battles, to try new things, throw it out there, make headlines. Your name remains in the headlines. Guess what? You remain relevant with most sports fans out there. You continue to get mentioned on ESPN, on CBS Sports HQ, on whatever platform you happen to be looking for that's the way to keep yourself in those headlines so yes i i, I get why there are, are fans of other programs and conferences out there that think your mark might be a little bit of a blowhard i get that but here's the thing he knows what he's doing this is calculated on his part he he's a savvy savvy individual and yeah will, will, will all these things hit or will they all be a hit with his uh various uh conference you the various university presidents and chancellors in the big 12 no but he i think he has explained to them guys this is how it works in the media game to keep ourselves out there in terms of the overall relevance of this conference. If we don't, if we allow the Big Ten and the SEC to dominate the narratives out there, they will take that. They'll take it and run, and they will hold on to it forever. And they probably will still, even with us doing what we're right. doing. But we're absolutely going to do our part to keep our name in people's minds moving forward. Yeah, and the something else I've been kicking around in my head recently too is you know with the expansion thing because it feels like the Big Twelve is going to expand no matter what, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they they. Hell or high water, Pac-12 or not, they're going to look for different ways to get other schools. And I'm wondering about like the sheer number part of it, right? If you just get enough like programs that are just relevant, like I mean, how think about the number of schools that we don't think of 16, 18, whatever it is. Like you know, if you become that, I mean, in some ways, like a voting block, it's like really, are we going to disenfranchise like 18 schools that we all know pretty well just from you know even and and you think about that too. You know, I, I think when I think about like a big two, right? Think about the number of schools that just don't belong. I'll even admit this too. My Missouri Tigers do not belong like in any big two. They don't. 
They don't. I mean, the Kansas State kicked their ass last year, and Kansas State's out, but Missouri's in because they're in. Vanderbilt, same thing, right? Indiana, when it comes to football, I mean, Rutgers in football gets a, gets a slice. I always think about this, Jake. Like, think about how much money Rutgers is about to bring in. I mean, Rutgers is going to bring in a, you know, you know what load of cash. And it's like, really? Like, Rutgers football is going to get that much money? And it's off the backs, obviously, of the big brands. But, you know, to kind of keep pace in some ways, I mean, is, is, there a, is there a way where it's like, you know what? If we just add enough schools, it's like, hey, there's 20 of us. You can't just ignore us. TC was a championship game last five years, right? I mean, do you think there's any creeds that at all? Or it's like, you know what? You need to have the big brands. I do think brands help, obviously. There's a reason yeah. why the Big Ten and the SEC have done what they've done. They, they know that those are the heavy hitters. Like, there's a reason why the Big Ten, in my mind, is not going to expand any further, at least for the time being, because they got the two money brands out of the Pac-12 by taking the L.A. market when they grabbed USC and UCLA. Yes, Washington and Oregon are big names, but they're not on the same level as those two that they already grabbed. So, yeah, and it's the same thing with the Big 12, losing both Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. I, I, there, I think there's some Credence to obviously thinking, hey, if we just have as many people as we possibly, I'm speaking as people figuratively, bring right. as many programs yeah. into this as possible, it would uh, keep us obviously in, in the headlines because we just have so many people out there. I think the biggest thing for the Big 12 in some ways is to show that they're capable of competing with those big boys. Go out there and compete head to head in competition with the Big 10 and the SEC. And if and when you win those matchups, crow about it to the high heavens. Make sure people know that you won those games. Even if it is, let's say Kansas beats up on Rutgers in Piscataway or uh, Oklahoma State goes to uh, Maryland and wins, I, whatever it is, crow about it. Make sure that people know that, hey, you're competing with these Big Ten teams, even if they might not be the Ohio States or the Alabamas or the Michigans or the, I don't know, Georgias of the world. Yeah, I mean, they should they should induct the uh, the Michigan TCU game into the Big 12 Hall of Fame, right? Just put it exactly. in there. Never yes. talking about it. Uh, so before I get you out of here, I want to ask you about Big 12 uh, or uh, some uh, some BYU football. I mean, you know, we're less than was I probably I know Arkansas because I was just doing this today. Arkansas is 86 games away from their opener. Exact same thing. 86 days for BYU. Um, 86 days away, they're going to be a Power Five program. They're going to be um, embarking on this first season and. Keaton Slovis is the, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's the, the start of the season's upcoming. You have to kind of almost look at every depth chart and be like, oh, oh, it's quarterback roulette. Keaton Slovis is here. So what are the reports been on that? I mean, I, I think obviously you hear, always hear a lot of good stuff out of camp and whatnot, but this is a guy that has had an incredibly up and down college career. And um, you kind of hope at this point, a guy like that, where it's like, maybe it's 70% of what, that, what the talent could have been, but like a hundred percent of what a mature leader is who's been through a lot of battles who's ready for something like this be like what is kind of the uh the the, the talk on keaton slovis and really what to expect from byu's offense obviously moving on from a guy i loved watching jaron hall play um last year okay I, i've got two things with me so stick with me on this so first thing is, is something from keaton's own mouth the other probably from aaron roderick obviously the offensive coordinator for byu let's start off with keaton i had a great conversation with him right at the end of spring ball i had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him played it on my podcast locked on nice. you can go back and find it uh in that interview and I, I did not realize this until he pointed it out to me josh he said this will be the first time in my college career that i will actually play for the offensive coordinator i committed to when he committed to usc they had two different coordinators who had left during that offseason one to western kentucky the other was um uh was it graham harrell 
Graham, so Graham Harrell actually ended up coming in afterwards. It was um who who's the former Texas Tech coach that went in Arizona Cardinals? He's playing, Cliff playing, Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury. King, Kingsbury had been there for a hot minute when Keaton had committed to uh, USC. Then he gets hired by the Cardinals, leaving that gap. They decided to backfill that by bringing in Graham Harrell, another Texas Tech product, and that's who Keaton played for during his time at USC. Then when he decides to leave USC, he commits to Mark Whipple at Pitt. Whipple obviously mm. got picket into the NFL. High-flying offense, throwing it all over the yard. Well, what does uh, Pitt do? They fire Mark Whipple and hire Kurt Signetti, who is a run-first type coordinator, and Keaton didn't get a play for the guy he committed to at Pitt. He said with his own words, you can go back and listen to this, I am playing for Aaron Roderick, the guy I committed to, and I'm looking forward to seeing what I can accomplish in the, on that side of things. So he, he's excited for that element alone. He thinks that'll lend itself to maybe some more success. Now, on the Aaron Roderick side of things, Aaron has been a guy who's developed two NFL quarterbacks in a row. Obviously, many people know about Zach Wilson, the former number two overall pick. Now, has it worked out with the Jets all that great? No, not so far, but right. still an NFL quarterback. Jaron Hall just was taken by the Minnesota Vikings. There's conversations that he may be in the mix to take over for, uh, for the Vikings at some point down the road as a developmental guy. That's two NFL quarterbacks developed in the last four seasons, excuse me, three seasons by Aaron Roderick. Aaron Roderick, uh, at the end of spring ball, same day I talked to Keaton, said that Keaton Slovis is our starter going into the season. He said, I'm just getting that out there right now. I'm putting it on paper. It's on the record. You guys, can, he's, our, he's our guy, unless he gets injured, mm -hmm. obviously. Right. He believes, and this is based on conversations I've had with multiple folks around the program, the BYU coaching staff, most notably Aaron Roderick, believe they can get him back to producing like he was in his first year or so at USC when he was that quote-unquote dark horse Heisman contender. If they really get that out of them, out, out of him, excuse me, out of that, out of him in this season, that's going to make BYU far more effective than I think most people might realize going into the season. Because when he was at his best at USC, you you all saw it. Great deep ball, able to attack all angles of the field and really had a fine command of that offense. And based on those two conversations, I think that there's some optimism for a guy like Keaton Slovis. Well, I'll tell you what, I will, I will uh, hopefully be seeing them in person this year. They, uh, they come to Fayetteville, BYU Cougars do. So um, excited, excited for that. And that. That'll be a great challenge for them, obviously. I mean, anyway, you need a roommate for that week? I, yay come on baby come we need more of the big 12 folks in arkansas as possible um but it i know it's always exciting obviously to see matchups like that and and um you know once again you and i have talked about this so much but like byu making an adjustment to the big 12 is going to be different because their schedule with independent like you know it's they they challenge themselves in a different way. I mean, there, there were years where they played four or five Pac-12 schools in a single season sometimes. Yeah, they, they went 5-0 and versus the Pac-12 two seasons ago. They have right. played as many as seven Power 5 games in a single season. Actually, that year they went 5-0 and versus the Pac-12. They actually played seven Power 5 games that year. So they've played what I've called a Pac, uh, not a Pac-12, a, a Power 5 adjacent schedule. It's not right. a full slate of Power 5 games, but as you mentioned, they've challenged themselves pretty heavily. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to watch. And uh, Jake, appreciate you coming on here. I want to make one note. So I had some folks tell me uh, after I left, you know, locked on and whatnot, that the oh unsubscribing, whatever. Uh, you know, to, and a couple of them said locked on BYU. Do not do that. Uh, the best BYU coverage out there is locked on Cougars. All right. And Jake had nothing to do with what happened. So I appreciate everybody solidarity with me. No, if you like BYU content, there's one place you have to go. It's locked on Cougars. Jake's un Jake understands all of this stuff better than anybody else. You get stuff like a one-on-one -on -one conversation with BYU's quarterback, Keaton Slovis. You can't get that anywhere else. So, folks, if you unsubscribe, resubscribe, and please go and subscribe in general if you are a BYU fan of there because I know there's a lot of them who watch.
Let, let, and let me add, let me add one thing, Josh. Uh, I was very sad to see you leave the Locked On Podcast Network, but if there was one spot, honestly, I, I'm dead serious about this. There was one spot I could have picked for you to land. It's with the guys down there at 365 Sports, Smokey, all of the guys, yeah. all Paul Catalina, all and down the line, the entire crew at 365 Sports. They are top notch. I cannot wait to see you build this thing, dude. And like I said, I. I may be breaking some protocol by telling people. I tell them on my podcast, hey, if you want Big 12 coverage, go check out the Neighborhood Watch. I'll continue to do that because I got your back, dude. I appreciate I appreciate you saying that. And and they are the, they are some of the best. They are ex these these guys started their own thing. It's excellent. They kind of know what it's like. They had to do the same thing. So uh, and and they are. I mean, they're a riot. They're a lot of fun. Also, first guys to reach out to me. Incredibly honest, great folks. And um, Jake, I'll get to see you at Big 12 Media Days here in, in about in I guess a month. So yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm excited. It'll be my first time at big 12 media days, obviously, but looking forward to it. Me too, man. Thank you so much. And where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Uh, search out locked on Cougars, wherever you get your podcast. It's also available on YouTube. Like this show is as well under locked on Cougars as well. You want all things, social media, it's locked on Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And then my personal Twitter feed. If you want my thoughts on all things, sports, including BYU, uh, check me out. Jacob C hatch is my Twitter handle. All right, Jay, appreciate your time. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.